Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Very special guest today, Emma Carvin. How are we doing today, Emma? I am good, thank you. I hope you are both doing well today as well. Yeah, I'm, I've got a bit of a flu, so apologies if there's any brain farts throughout the duration <laughs> of this podcast. But uh, yeah, we haven't had you on before, Emma, so a bit of a an elevator pitch origin story, if you want to take the lead for, for the next couple of minutes in case some people don't know who you are. Of course. I feel like I should have thought about this beforehand. I didn't even think that you might ask me about myself um but yes my name is emma curvin some of you may know me as the other half of shane's story the uh the triage strength coach but i'm a lot more than that i would hope (laughs) um no i am a online fitness coach um i have been doing that for around a year now I moved away from kind of working full time as a research assistant after getting my degree in biochemistry um I always thought I was going to do a PhD and then realized that was the last thing I wanted to do. And what I really wanted to do was kind of help people and coach people in fitness, nutrition and all that sort of stuff, because that's really what I love the most. So, yeah, I've been doing that around a year. Haven't looked back since. And most recently have just finished my very first bodybuilding prep. So this is something I have been working towards for I mean, like really two and a half years, I signed up with my coach in May of 2020 uh, with the goal to step on stage this year in 2022. But I've been living and training like a bodybuilder for probably five or six years now. So quite a long time. And yeah, it went quite well, I suppose, for my first season. I had a few wins, got to go to the States and compete in Vegas and LA at the kind of world finals, um, which was great. And I managed to come away with a third place at the WMBF Worlds, which I was delighted about. And yeah, now I am just, I suppose, navigating the post-show phase, which I suppose a lot of competitors maybe fear in their first uh, prep because it's quite an unknown thing. Um, but so far, so good. Uh, I'm kind of happy with how things are going. And yeah, I suppose that's kind of me in a nutshell. I don't really get up to much more like most bodybuilders slash online coaches. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think um, I think you undersold your success there a little bit. <laughs> I think I, 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 I would treat... I would treat that as a very, very successful first show. Because even for Shane, like the, the title of Shane's podcast was a successful first prep. And yours <laughs> was even more successful than his. So Yeah, yeah I know. Look, it, it did. It, it went really well. Maybe I'll uh I'll say exactly how it went. Um so I did seven shows. Um I did one more show than Shane did. So I did WMBF Ireland and NBFI. So both of those, I won the class. I won my class, the figure open. And then I also won the figure overalls, which was mad. Uh, I then went and did the PCA Ireland, which I won that as well. Um, And that was quite cool because that was an an untested show. Uh, It was quite a small show, though. Like there wasn't actually that many figure competitors in it. So but still, it was nice to kind of get more stage experience, of course. um, And that was a really fun kind of day. There was no pressure on me that day because it was just a show for fun, I guess. Um, Although I say no pressure. I I don't actually know the meaning of having no pressure on myself, (laughs) even when it's a show with no pressure. I put a lot of pressure on myself. But yeah, then went to the UK. So the UK DFBA and I came second. And that was an amazing day. And that was a really special show for me because that was kind of one I was really aiming towards. So my coach, um, 
for anyone who doesn't know, he um, is Mr. AJ Morris. So he's one of the kind of biggest natural bodybuilding coaches in the UK. He's an amazing coach and he coaches a lot of really top level competitors within the kind of UK natural bodybuilding scene and within other countries too. So I knew that a lot of my teammates, I guess, were going to be competing at that show. I also know that the standard at the UK finals is like so high probably the highest one of the highest standard shows I did this year um so that was one I was really aiming towards so yeah I got to do that came second came second to one of my teammates Grace who she's like a previous UK champion so like that was amazing and I was so so happy with that then we went on to what should I do next? Oh yeah, the Europeans. Um, so that uh, was insane. I actually ended up winning the Europeans uh, and I also won my pro card at that show, which was completely unexpected. I honestly, I went into that show just hoping I might get top five. Um, and yeah, when I won, it was just like the most overwhelming feeling ever. Um, so that was great. And then Next up was the Natural Olympia in Las Vegas. So I actually didn't place at that show, um, which, to be honest, after coming off the back of so many wins and kind of high placings, that really knocked me down. Um, Because I think the worst thing for me was I went into that show feeling like I looked my absolute best and I was so confident in what I was bringing. And I didn't even get looked at. I think I was up on the stage for about three minutes at most, which was really disheartening after spending... <laughs> spending a lot of money to go to Las Vegas but that is what it is that's bodybuilding and I actually am kind of glad looking back that it happened because I think it's easy when you have a lot of success early on to get used to that but at the end of the day this is a sport that is ruthless like you are literally getting up there asking strangers to judge your naked body like it is harsh and learning how to lose is really really important I think in any sport but especially in this because at the end of the day only one person can win you know there's only one winner on the day so that's a lot of people who are probably going to be disappointed so yeah it was it was tough it was a tough pill to swallow um but nonetheless I'm kind of glad looking back that it happened um and then a week later I did WMBF Worlds and yeah that show again so uh I kind of mentioned this when we were talking off air, but I was really sick in between those two shows. Uh, looking back, I potentially had COVID as a lot of people um, at that show in Las Vegas ended up getting it. So potentially had that, but um, I was just kind of blinders on, must get to the finish line kind of thing. But yeah, I was really, really sick, really just trying to make it through that week. Um, so when I got to the show, I was like, I just want to, I just want to actually stand up there and not look terrible uh but actually ended up coming third which was a massive shock and the lady who actually won that class was a she had just that day won the masters figure in the professionals in the in the pro category so like she was already a pro won the masters and then went and did the amateur class in the open um and she won and she was amazing so the fact that like I, I came third in a class with like people of that standard there was a few other pros in the class as well who were masters competitors which for anyone who doesn't know masters just means uh, I believe they're over 40 um which in natural bodybuilding that's kind of people at their peak you know so yeah that was amazing and that was a, a really great way to finish the season I was so so happy that um I kind of got up there and was happy with what I brought. And then I spent four days eating absolutely everything that LA had to offer, which was amazing. Um, that was probably the highlight. <laughs> <laughs> highlight of the whole brand ending. Oh, break. yeah. No, I mean, like, it definitely. So for context, I prepped for 31 weeks. Um, For a first prep, that's a 
fucking long pro- can i curse on this you oh. can indeed okay yeah. so i always have to ask but yeah for the first for for first prep that's a fucking long time to be dieting and i never had any meals off i never after any of my shows from september onwards i didn't have any kind of meals off plan because i knew i still had a next show either the next week or two weeks later um so yeah by kind of the end of the 31 weeks like to be honest the, the only thing i felt was burnt out like being sick didn't help with that but I was very much ready to be finished, you know, and obviously we, we can get into this, but being that lean, it feels shite. <laughs> um, I was just ready to kind of get away from feeling that way. And the constant, like assessing myself, assessing my physique, looking at my abs, like it's cool and all, but it gets mentally draining. Um, so yeah, I was, I was kind of ready to just be done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. Like you said, it was a long process that is, often the case with natural yeah you have to take your time um and it wasn't only that like you know as you said you started working with AJ what two and a half years ago you said yeah so it was actually uh during the the very first lockdown in May I think of 2020 and I was like oh maybe I'll give this bodybuilding thing a go I just (laughs) fuck around and try this um and yeah so it's been like a long time of like having this like one thing in mind and it, yeah, it's it's quite a, I mean, you're looking quite far into your future and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do, because yeah. I think you're a great spokesperson for women in general and like getting after getting strong and building muscle and pushing training, you know, you're, you know, you post your uh, hard training faces and things <laughs> like that, right? Yeah, um, yeah I think you're, you're a great uh, role model in that space. So like, you know, can you talk to us a little bit about the fact you know what did you do for those you know two years prior to the actual diet because like yeah yeah the the prep was the 31 weeks but that was just the the fat loss phase essentially to lead you into the shows there was two years of (laughs) what did that look like how do you think about that um what 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 do you try and impart to the girls that you work with and, and people in general like you know you might watch your content um in in that area you know yeah yeah so yeah so kind of like briefly in terms of what the the two years before looked like was we kind of started I went straight into a surplus so a a phase of building muscle um you know pushing food up pushing my body weight up getting as strong as possible I then think I did a diet that was around 10 weeks or so so quite a short diet into another gaining phase another surplus and in that surplus like we went we went pretty hard, you know, I think I got up to around 165, 167 pounds. And for reference, my stage weights by the end were around 124 pounds. So 40 pounds lighter than my kind of peak body weights. Um, So like at that point, was I comfortable? Uh, definitely not. Did I feel amazing? No, not really. Um, You know, food was really high. I think it was around... 3,300 calories potentially training was hard I was definitely a little bit lethargic at times but you know and obviously we can talk about this a little bit later but like body image wise I actually felt grand um you know I I wasn't really thinking about how I looked at that point and that's kind of the good thing about being in like gaining phases that I think a lot of people don't understand when they've never done it is like you really stop caring about what you look like um it's way different to a dieting phase where you're just 
just obsessed over how you look um but anyway yeah so kind of that was like the big push we'll say I'd say that was around six or seven months so that brought me up to kind of July 2021 then did another diet so that was like my pre-prep diet um and I think that was maybe like 13 or 14 weeks came down to around 145 pounds I believe and then we kind of gained back again up until I started my prep and I started my prep at around 156 157 pounds I believe and then like said my my final stage weight was around 124 so solid like 30 pounds off in that prep um which is a lot of weight but I mean it it actually didn't feel that that difficult um to be fair um I actually found prep relatively pain-free from a physical standpoint in terms of the you know the, the steps the food being hungry like all that stuff doesn't bother me definitely like the harder parts of prep for me were like the mental struggles the kind of self-doubt the thinking I look like shit all the time um which you know that's just I guess part of it it's part of a a sport where you are literally being judged on how you look so you are going to worry a little bit about how you look and that's definitely something to be really aware of if you know if you're listening to this thinking oh I'd love to I'd love to do that and just be aware of that it can definitely wear on your self-esteem and maybe that's something you need to really work on before you even start or consider prep is like making sure you're not putting all of your worth into like external validation that's definitely something I have learned about myself this year is that I probably place too much of my worth in external validation um, and I just have a lot of self-doubt around like myself um, and so that's something now that I know okay like I need to really work on that over this next whatever and one two year off season is like making sure that I don't do that because it is like quite torturous you know to have like weeks where you're just thinking I'm I'm just like not able to do this like I'm crap at this what am I thinking you know um so that was probably like the biggest struggles for me um not that you asked about what my biggest struggles were but there we go you're gonna find out about them anyway um I think you asked me about what the process of those two years was so I've gone on a massive tangent already (laughs) (laughs) apologies about that but yeah so it was a long-term process basically to kind of walk it back it is a long-term process like bodybuilding is something that if you are like considering it it's something that needs to be looked at as just like a lifestyle and it's something Shane and I talk about all the time now because we've had definitely people come to us who want to prep next year or they want to do a show or they want to do a photo shoot and it's kind of saying them to them like okay but like do you like living this way anyway? You know, do you like tracking your food? Do you like being meticulous? Do you like being super routine? And are you willing to do that? Not just for a year for a prep. Are you willing to do that for the next few years? Because if you're not willing to do it for the next few years, then maybe your reasons for wanting to do it are not quite sound. You know, maybe are they being driven by something else? Are they being driven by, ooh, it looks fun or, ooh, look at the social media engagement I can get. And it's like, yeah, those things are fine. But like, you know, if this is just not how you like to live, then there's no point because it is a long term. It's a long term game. And the longer you're willing to commit to it, the better those results are going to be. You know, I know that if I had jumped into a prep in 2020, like I would not have done as well, like no way, you know, I wouldn't have had the muscle mass or not even the muscle mass, but the mental maturity, the, the habits in place, the systems that I've built around like how do I diet best? How do I reverse best? You know, all of these things I've spent a long time, like building those processes up. That meant when it came to prep, it was just like, it's just, just what I do every day. Anyway, it's just at a bit of a higher intensity, of course. Mm. 
Yeah, I suppose it's it's kind of like when you're talking to people that are interested in it, it's like when this shit gets hard, if you have any cracks in yeah. your motivation to do this, yeah. it's the, the whole thing's just going to collapse. And if it's for those kind of like very superficial reasons, like I want to get more social media likes, or it's like, yeah. yes, if I do this photo shoot prep or whatever it is, I'm just going, I'm finally going to love myself. You know, yes. like these are all like, <laughs> no, it's like you like are going to hate yourself way more. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. I'm not selling it. <laughs> now, nah, like obviously look, I mean, I, I love bodybuilding um, and I love bodybuilding the lifestyle, which is why I enjoyed the prep. But mm. yeah, if you don't, if you don't love the, the art of bodybuilding, the act of doing it every single day, then you know that that end result it's not going to mean anything it's not going to matter it's going to be like oh you looked great for a day and then that day is gone and that body is gone and that way that you looked is gone and where do you put your worth now because you're putting all your worth in that that end results you know whereas if you really love bodybuilding you put that worth in I just love showing up every day I love seeing those gradual improvements I love you know, how it feels to get into bed at the end of the day, knowing, yeah, I ticked all my boxes today and I'm really happy with that. You know, that's where you should really be putting your worth. Um, and I suppose what you value, because yeah, like obviously that body, it goes. <laughs> and trust me, it goes really quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, and I think like what you said there, like, you know, emphasis on the word building, you know, it's bo- body building, not body leaning. That's you know, it, like you it. know, the, the prep is, the prep is just the reveal. I kind of like yeah. to, when I conceptualize it, um, do you ever watch, <laughs> this is so random, uh, SpongeBob, I think it was, and they were doing like the marble statues and they would like crack the 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 big block of marble and it would all come off and it was like a perfectly formed statue. Mm-hmm. But like, that's kind of what bodybuilding is like. So when you do the prep, you're just cracking off that outer marble, but like the statue needs to be there before, like it has to be underneath. And that statue, that body, that thing that you reveal especially if you're a natural obviously the big caveat here is if you're taking performance enhancing drugs sure you can build muscle during your prep but either way you know you're really just revealing that you're revealing all that work you know when I look at the prep this year it wasn't the 30 week prep it was I revealed those two three four five years of work I've been doing you know that that's all that was because yeah when you're prepping you're not building muscle you're just taking off the fat you're just exposing what what's kind of lying underneath which is really cool because when I look at my pictures from the start to the end it's crazy to me to think that end thing it was hiding under there like it was under there it just had to be kind of revealed so to speak but yeah it's yeah. like I I've, I've definitely I've had calls with people and they're like oh yeah like I even I want to do photo shoot prep like next year or like I want to start a photo shoot prep now and I'm like okay but like to show off what like like, trust me, you're going to be really unhappy if you do a 16 week diet and there's nothing under there and you're just skinny. You know, it's not really it's not really what the look you want. And it's like, I know in your head what you want to look like. And I'm not being rude, but you're not going to look like that if you just diet now for 16 weeks, you know, um, although trying to say that to people in a nice way is hard. <laughs> it's like i have some concerns about your goals yeah i know but that's it They're like yeah i've been training for like a year and i want to do like a photo shoot app and i'm like okay i love the enthusiasm and i love that energy but like you know it's going to take probably a little bit longer 
to get to that desired outcome that you have you know and again this comes back to the uh, do you just want that end result now or are you willing to take the time because you actually enjoy the process of bodybuilding even if it is just for something like a photo shoot prep and it's not necessarily to to, to step on stage yeah <clears throat> yeah because you guys did a lot of photo shoots in around the preps as well like which yeah around the show which makes sense obviously you're in that kind of shape so take advantage and yeah the, the pictures look great um so what what do you think why do you think people like to do photo shoot preps in this context you know it's it's kind of tough because i definitely think there's a culture at the moment of a lot of people jumping into photo shoot preps whether that's of their own accord or they're being pushed by coaches to do it you know I've kind of heard that too again like whatever that's their business to do so um I do think it's almost like an expectation now you know I've seen a lot of PTs that uh think they have to do it or it's like, well, you know, I'm I'm going to the gym, I'm putting in the work, so I might as well do a photo shoot prep. And again, I think it's amazing to show off your hard work. But um, even from talking to some photographers this year, they're kind of saying, you know, a lot of people are coming into these photo shoots and they're they're way too lean. You know, I'm seeing girls do them and they're like, they could step on stage and like, that's actually so unnecessary to get into that, that sort of condition without the, the the purpose of stepping on stage like you know like again there, there's so much kind of nuance to it like if you're someone who thinks they want to do a, a competition and you're using this as a test run then go ahead like that's it, it actually does make sense like I guess you know because you're, you're going to kind of learn that would be my fire alarm okay we can't we can't really hear it so can you not hear it it's it seems to be filtered out yeah oh actually as far as i know there's some sort of um i think it's like a test let me just check (laughs) before i just sit here and just like i'm like i'm just gonna stay oh yeah it's fine can't hear it yeah yeah it's 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 just a test it should be over in Hmm. 30 seconds okay as long as you (laughs) i was like you're you're good you're good okay 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 um I've lost my train of thought oh yeah yeah so you know if you think you want to do like a, a competition then of course it makes sense to maybe test yourself test the waters um but if you're just doing a photo shoot just to kind of you know challenge yourself of course you want to get lean I get that but getting like emaciated it's just a bit too much in my opinion and that's just my opinion and people are free to disagree with that if they want um but also you know I I've seen the aftermath of that too. And I have some clients who have kind of come away from photo shoots where they were pushed really, really hard. And it, it kind of ended up damaging their relationship with fitness, with food and trying to work on restoring that and making them actually enjoy training again and enjoying the process again, which, you know, it's a shame if somebody comes from a place where they really like the gym and then they're kind of, whether they think they need to do a photo shoot or they're pushed to do a photo shoot and then, suddenly that enjoyment's taken away um but yeah I definitely do just think it's like 
there is a big culture of it at the minute oh thank god that's over that was really annoying my brain sorry um but yeah there definitely is a like a big culture at the minute of just people doing photo shoot perhaps and again i think it's great like it is a great challenge um but i suppose it's again when when, when someone comes to me and they want to do one i'm kind of like okay you know again do you enjoy this do you enjoy this lifestyle do you enjoy the act of tracking everything are you okay with maybe saying no to social occasions are you okay with all of these things and then are you willing to put in those few months beforehand where we build your food up where we build muscle where we kind of take that time and you know if you're not willing to do that then again what's your why why are you doing this is it just short-term gratification or is it no I just I like this and I want to I want to work on something and have a goal to work towards kind of thing yeah I think it's, it's nice to have that culmination of your efforts kind of yeah of course photos and stuff like that but yeah you're definitely right there's a big culture of it at the moment and like it's almost like expected it's like yeah training are you okay well let's let's put you down for a photo shoot prep yeah no but that's kind of almost what it feels like um and look yeah i don't know it it is a tough one because obviously like i uh, you know, I have a few people doing shoots next year and I really enjoy the process of working with them. But I suppose it it does come from on the coach's end, really doing that due diligence beforehand and figuring out like, is this a person in a good position to even do one, you know, um, which is important. Like I had a girl kind of message me and she said she wanted to do one in like April or May. And I, I said to her straight up, like, absolutely not um absolutely I won't I won't take you on and just prep you um and I explained like you know all those reasons why and you know building muscle and you know us getting to know each other and all that sort of stuff and you know she was like yeah no I I 100% get what you mean and I kind of said like look you know if not that if a coach is willing to do it and just like prep you that they're a bad coach and I'm not saying that whatsoever um because I know plenty of coaches who do that and like they're great coaches but you know for me as a coach anyway like because I have always looked at this as such a long-term thing. I want to take people through that process as a long-term thing and to really get them to kind of understand what goes into it, you know, that it's not just the, I'm going to take you on, I'm going to prep you for 16 weeks, bye kind of thing. You know, it's like, no, like there's, there's phases to this. There's the build, there's the prep, there's after the prep, which is probably more important than any of those other phases to ensure that we get you out of this and actually still enjoying training i think that that's a really important one too mm, yeah it's it's kind of like the you know the image of the iceberg you just see the top of the iceberg which is your prep and then the bottom yeah. is like what about all these like all the two or three years uh yeah. building that you had to do and i and i think like you know because i know from working with some of my uh, female clients trying to get them to eat more and convincing them of the value of eating more, building muscle. It's definitely changing. I think women are definitely more, uh, they're more open to that idea, but it is still quite a challenge. I don't know. Like, do you find that with your clients um, and people yeah. that you're speaking with? Yeah. hundred percent. Like some, you know, some girls are like, woo, yeah, gains. I want to get big. And like, that's amazing. Like, and it's very easy to convince those girls, uh, you know, to eat more and lift heavier. Some girls are a little bit more, cautious I suppose and you know they might be like oh like am I just gonna gain loads of body fat or you know am I gonna get like too big and I'm always kind of thinking I've been doing this for so long and I'm nowhere near too big so I promise (laughs) unless you accidentally slip and fall on a vial of testosterone I have doubts that you're gonna get too big um no it is it is harder um 
but I, I have found like for sure recently or like even this year when I've done consultation calls like quite a lot of girls come on and the first thing they say is like I want to get stronger I want to build muscle and I'm always like yes <laughs> you know so for sure the tides are changing um sometimes I wonder is that just like the bubble within which I exist and the kind of people that I come into contact with because I do know especially I, I, it's an age thing too you know if if you're kind of talking about people who are in their maybe 40s they're not going to be thinking that way you know they're still of the oh no like it's all about losing weight and getting smaller and stuff like that um but I definitely think with with our generation it is a little bit different I hope <laughs> yeah I think that the the as we as we talked about during that body image and body comp podcast the ideal for for some people for some subsections of the population anyway is changing you know and it's, it yeah. is a positive thing like you know it's just getting women into the gym getting them stronger like i always say to my clients like or a couple of my clients in particular it's just like we want to get you stronger than the lads you know because like that's fucking like that is a, a, an amazing feeling to to be yeah. going into the gym and like getting your straps on doing your rdls and the boys are like this fucking girl is stronger Literally. than me. So what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what I say to my girls. I was like, you just want to start doing cool shit in the gym. That's it. Because I promise, like, that feels amazing. Um, Like, going in and doing something and you kind of put the weight down and you're like, yeah, like, oh, like, oh, like, that was amazing. Even the other day I was deadlifting and I think I did, like, 135. Um, And after I finished the set, this guy came over and he looked at me and he was like, He's like, how, how much is that? And I was like, oh, it's 135. And he's like, Jesus, that's fairly strong. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> you know, it is. It's it's an amazing feeling. I think like as a female in a society, you know, and again, it, it is changing. But I suppose like the natural inclination is for women to be seen as smaller and for women to be seen as weaker and all that sort of stuff. So to walk into a gym and, you know, like hip thrust 150 kilos or deadlift 100 kilos, like that feels really empowering as a female. It feels really good, you know? Um, and I suppose it's trying to attach the enjoyment to that feeling rather than, oh, look how shredded I am or look at my abs. Because yeah, again, like that, I mean, those things are fine, but the the feelings that come along with having those things sometimes are not so great, you know? Whereas that kind of rush, that rush you get after you've like put down a weight that almost scared you to pick up, like that is unmatched. I, I literally sometimes like, this is better than any narcotic ever. It's an amazing feeling, you know? And obviously when you are in a state of kind of having more food coming in, you know, maybe you're gaining weight a little bit. That's a feeling you get a lot more often because you're in a position physiologically to be stronger, to be building muscle. Whereas if you're in this state of constantly dieting, that's not a feeling you get too often because most sets are just a complete battle. And you're kind of like, oh, am I going to be able to lift this like 10 kilo dumbbell? Oh, I don't know if I will. You know, it's it's not really a fun feeling. Um, so yeah, I suppose it's placing that value and feeling strong and powerful. That's something that I'm constantly trying to put across to my to my girls is like chase that because that's an amazing feeling yeah and that removes you from the aesthetics of it as well and like yeah that's it and when when you actually focus on that interestingly the, the aesthetics improve anyway you know um it's like when I say to people I'm like stop putting pressure on yourself to lose weight and when they do that suddenly they do you know suddenly they can lose weight because they're not like I must be perfect and they're not putting all this pressure on themselves to be perfect yeah and i yeah and like i said earlier like 
you're very good at pushing people to actually train hard as women like <laughs> yeah I feel like every other post I put up now I'm like just start training harder because it is that's a I found that for sure as an online coach it's it is difficult to coach that mindset into people of like no don't stop your set there like I can see you still had four or five more reps you know it's 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 quite hard to get that across like some people pick it up really quickly and some people I'm almost like okay maybe we don't need to go quite so hard all of the time um but and and again I think that that's um that's a discrepancy between males and females because like not a stereotype but a lot of males will go into the gym and put way too much weight on the bar and they're flinging it around the place and you're kind of looking at them thinking oh good god you are going to tear your rotator cuff very soon if you don't stop whereas with females I find that they tend to hold themselves back a little bit more you know I'm kind of saying to them like okay well you've done this weight now for three weeks and you've got the rep range for these three weeks so maybe it's time to go a little bit heavier and they're like oh I don't know like will I be able to do it I'm like stop stop placing these limitations on yourself and that's all I'll say to them I'm like I want you to be deadlifting 100 kilos in a few months I want you to be hip thrusting this in a few months because if you're not saying to them like or you're not setting those wild goals for them like they're not going to set them for themselves and I suppose it's trying to explain to them like you're way stronger than you think Uh, that's like the most cliche phrase ever but it's so true like like especially like you know if you follow any female powerlifters like some of them are nasty strong you know and I actually mm. sometimes recommend to some of my clients like follow these girls who are powerlifters and see what the what the limits are and actually see that they're that they don't even necessarily exist and they're actually a lot higher than you saw because if you're following you know the fit fluencers who do booty band workouts all the time you're gonna think oh well like she's lifting 20 kilos and surely that's enough to build muscle it's like yeah well it's enough to build muscle if you're genetically gifted and potentially on gear but if you're just a mere mortal like most of us you know you're probably going to have to lift heavy ass weights and you're probably capable of lifting a lot heavier than you're giving yourself credit for you know um so yeah it is it is tough and I get it because like I would have been the same you know kind of when I was younger Uh, and I remember when I signed up with my coach and he said the very first week he was like I sent him my deadlifts. I think I deadlifted like 100 kilos. And he was like, yeah, no, that's good. So like, I'd say you could do 140 in a few months. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what do you mean? 140 kilos? Like, that is wild. <laughs> um, But sure enough, he was right. I did it. And now I've deadlifted 150 kilos. And if it wasn't for someone else telling me that, like, you know, you could be really, really strong, I wouldn't have probably pushed myself as hard. So that's why I kind of say to my own clients, I'm like, you know, even with things like their presses, you know, their dumbbell pressing 10 kilos. I'm like, come on, like we, I want you to try and get to 20, you know, and that probably sounds crazy to you, but like, you know, you have to have something to work towards. Otherwise you're going to get complacent, you know? And yeah. I think there's a, is there resistance against the perceived masculinity of that approach as well? Like, are people concerned like they don't want to be in there grunting and making faces and like they need to look you know quote-unquote proper while fucking training yeah like potentially I think my clients know that that's not my vibe considering how often I post on my stories my incredibly ugly lifting faces I've actually had clients send me their own screenshots of them during their sets like with their faces all like scrunched up they're like okay lifting face and I'm like yes because yeah like yeah you're you're cultivating a community there where that stuff is like encouraged which yeah in a a wider 
scale it's not so much but that's one of the yeah, that, we're doing here i think yeah exactly and that's why i like like to post those things because i hate the word like normalizes it but like in a in a sense it does kind of normalize it because it's like you know if you're if you're in there and you're working hard you're not supposed to look pretty and like yeah. i mean you can i mean like i know look pretty is subjective i mean like who's to say that that's not pretty you know who's to say that the face of hard work is not something that's to be kind of admired um but yeah like even when sometimes clients send me like videos and i can just see that their face just stays the same the whole time i'm like no you're not lifting heavy enough i'm like if there is not any sort of kind of struggle on your face something has to change um but yeah no for sure like and again it's comes back to that um kind of thing of femininity like girls should be quiet and you know and like look I I mean I don't necessarily make a lot of noise in the gym but I think that that's more so my personality type I know some girls who scream when they're in the gym (laughs) you know they do not hold back (laughs) yeah I mean I think like most people aren't overly noisy in the gym anyway I think like like most people aren't screaming like yeah you may grunt a little bit yeah on that last rep <laughs> yeah that's fine um or if it's super painful but like yeah as a standard you don't have to be screaming the, the, there there is something about you know like ronnie coleman yeah buddy <laughs> like you know there's like yeah. there's something very primal about that to be fair like you know if you can get away with it like <laughs> yeah i just i'm just always like imba- like almost nervous that it's gonna, <laughs> gonna sound like sex noises because <laughs> like no but like when you're a female like it kind of does like anytime I'm watching because I also watch like loads of YouTube videos of people training and Shane sometimes is like what are you watching especially with, like <laughs> girls training because it just sounds like that so I think I'm a bit conscious that uh, I don't want to be making those noises out loud in a gym where I'm surrounded by like 70 year old men <laughs> yeah hadn't considered that but it's a fair point yeah um, I want to segue slightly because uh, something you mentioned there. You mentioned the the fit the fit spells using their booty bands and stuff. Um, so we, can we quickly talk about glute training because I believe you have a glute training guide. Guide, I do, yeah, yeah, and people can get that for free. They can. So it's actually in. So if you go to my Instagram, um, which hopefully the guys will link down below, maybe, um, uh, in the link in my bio, there is, I think, a link to it there. You just put your email in and it will get sent to you. Yeah. So what what do, what are girls missing in, in the context of glute training? Because a lot of girls want to develop their glutes more. Yeah. But as you said earlier, they're seeing content with these fucking like booty bands shit. Like, yeah. You know, so what? Where are they? What's where are they missing here? What? How are they being misled, and what do they need to know? Um, yeah, uh, building bigger glutes and bigger lower body, or whatever it is. Yeah, of course. So I think the first thing to really address here is that like your glutes are the biggest muscle in your body; they are capable of producing a lot of force, and so if you are training them with very light loads, that's not going to be a stimulus for them to grow. You know, and like when we look at resistance training, you know, on kind of like a basic level, it's you're forcing, you're kind of forcing your body to adapt by giving it a large stimulus of kind of tension. You know, you're giving it a big challenge. It recognizes that challenge. It goes, okay, well, I better get bigger. 
in case I have to counteract or come into contact with this challenge again. That's that's kind of in a crude way what resistance training is. Um, and so, you know, your, your glutes are massive. You know, even if you're even if you haven't been building them, even if you haven't been trying to make them bigger, still just like naturally they are the biggest muscle in the body. So um, I think the first thing is like being aware that they can go very heavy. They can lift very heavy. Um, and so like, that's why I say, you know, if you're just kind of lifting like 20 kilos or using booty bands all the time, that's not going to pose a big challenge to your glutes. You know, they're going to kind of go, okay, well, like, why would I grow in response to this? Um, so that's kind of the first thing. The next thing is kind of looking then at, I suppose, exercise selection. So when we look at how the glutes are, how, how the glutes function, you know, they kind of function to cause movement at the hip. So they cause the hip to flex and extend, which basically means like bend and straighten out essentially. So it's kind of looking at like, okay, how do exercises kind of target those functions of the glutes and kind of by making the hips move. So, you know, we can kind of break it down into different categories. So one category would be kind of hip extension. So that's glute bridges, hip thrusts, you know, those sorts of things. So it's like, okay, maybe if I pick one or two exercises from that category and just nail those for a few months and get really strong on those. And then you kind of have hip flexion. So again, that's your kind of hip bending. So things like squats, Bulgarian split squats, leg presses. So again, picking maybe one or two of those that suit you really, really well and that you enjoy and you get on with get really, really strong at those, master those. And then you have things like hinges. So that's like ordeals, um, deadlifts, any sort of deadlifts. So like I personally love conventional deadlifting. So that's kind of my main hinge variation. But if you like ordeals, doing ordeals and stuff like that. And again, picking one that suits suits you, get really freaking strong at it. You know, like I said earlier, like I, I can deadlift around 150 kilos. Obviously that strength took a bit of a hit during prep, um, but that's one that I'm going to hopefully build back up to and beyond. I'd love to get 160 kilos next year. But, you know, if you think about it logically, if I'm deadlifting 160 kilos, yes, of course, my my back and my kind of erectors are going to come into that, but surely that would translate to me having kind of bigger glutes, you know, at the end of the day. And then also you can look at training the glutes through things like abduction um so that would be things like the hip abductor you know the kind of classic um booty building exercise which i've kind of changed my mind on i went through a phase of thinking that was like such a stupid exercise what's the point in doing it but kind of slowly coming back around to it it actually is kind of a decent exercise um and even some kind of split squat variations and stuff like that can target um your glute medius through that portion so again it's it's about finding exercises that almost slot into those different categories and again, that fit you and kind of your mechanics and your body type, body shape. Um, you know, for example, some girls, they can squat and they'll build massive glutes. Other girls, just with the way that their body is, like they're not going to do that. They're going to build more quads. So again, it's just finding the ones that are going to suit you. Um, I'm a big fan of like keeping your program very similar for as long as you possibly can and just getting better and better and better at the lifts you're doing, um, you know, because... I think when people look at training, they don't think of it necessarily as a skill, but it is a skill, you know, doing any sort of exercise, it's a skill. And a big part of that is your, your nervous system, learning how to do that skill. And the more you do it, the better you get, the better you get at recruiting the muscle fibers. And, you know, the more tension you then drive to that muscle. And then, you know, over time, the more you grow. And so I think like find a few exercises within those categories that fit you and that you can just progress at for as long as you possibly can, you know, don't like I see on things like TikTok, Instagram, 
oh, like this is the best exercise for building your the shelf of your booty or this is the best exercise for building your your outer glutes. And I'm just thinking, oh, like if anybody tells you anything is the best exercise for anything, they don't know much about exercise. <laughs> um, you know, that's the beauty of bodybuilding. Like there's no best exercise for anything. There's a best exercise at this time for you as an individual pertaining to your goals, but there's no best exercise. You know, like what works for me might not work for Laura, which might not work for Sandra, which might not work for whoever else down the road. Um, you know, so I think that that's an important one. Um, so yeah. And then the big thing is eating enough. Just make sure you're eating enough. You know, you're not going to build your glutes if you're eating. You could go, you could have the best training program. You could be doing everything perfectly. And if you're not fueling yourself properly, it's not going to work. You're not going to grow. You know, you have to, you have to eat to grow. You have to become okay with Yes, potentially gaining a bit of body fat, but it's okay. It's it's just body fat, you know. It's really nothing, nothing major. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think everything that you said there, very solid advice. Um, and in the same way that like when we can look at people that make absolutist statements with nutrition, it's the same with yeah. with training. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, so I think like, yeah, I, I think that that whole aspect of really fueling yourself is massive you know yeah. for for especially for like when it comes to building specific muscles you know um and that's something that that, that i try and get across to, to to people as well um, and you obviously doing your content but um yeah so i suppose i wanted to ask you i wanted to kind of come back to i suppose the bodybuilding and prep etc but i suppose what are some things that people might not know or some interesting things that you discovered through your prep uh, as it relates to like women's bodybuilding or female specific bodybuilding? Yes. So let me have a think about this one. Um, I'm a little bit, what are some specific challenges? Well, I mean, when we look at obviously the health side, um, the hormonal side that's going to be a big one there so being aware that going into a bodybuilding prep the likelihood that you're going to lose your cycle is very high some girls don't yeah that's you know that that definitely is true some girls are quite resilient in that sense um but if you you know you have a natural cycle obviously if you're on hormonal birth control this doesn't really apply to you because you don't have a natural cycle anyway but if you have a natural cycle you know the likelihood is you're going to lose that and you know kind of then looking at how long it takes to come back that's going to have potential long-term consequences on things like your fertility you know um and also even things like osteoporosis and you know if you are someone you know there's lots of girls out there who compete every single year and that could mean that every single year they're spending six months without a cycle you know and over a long enough period of time like that could have big long-term you know implications on their ability to even have kids down the line so i think that's um a big thing to really consider um then also like the kind of big one is assistance i suppose and the whole drug side of things i think i think people underestimate how common it is uh i know i certainly did i i, I mean like a few years ago i was completely oblivious i thought no girl like no girl in any class except maybe the IFBB women's bodybuilding class were taking any sort of assistance uh 
I now realize that's definitely not the case. Um, and actually most girls are taking something, whether that's even just like illegal fat burners or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so I suppose being aware going in that that's potentially something that might be involved. Um, in case I haven't made it clear, I am a natural bodybuilder myself. <laughs> um, but you know, that is, that is part of it. And like, I know some people who get frustrated by that, um, but like that is just part of bodybuilding. And this is why there's federations that are drug tested. There's the option to compete in those. You know, if you don't want to take anything and you're not willing to, um, which by the way is absolutely fine. And like, that's completely your decision to do that. Like, you know, be okay with that and then just kind of go and maybe compete in the federations that are tested or, you know, compete in classes that are maybe smaller, you know, some classes like bikini, you know, there's lots of girls in that, that that are natural, but equally, there's probably more girls there that are not natural than you might think. Um, so I think that that's just something to be aware of. Um, I think body image is definitely like a really important topic to touch on. Like, of course, men and males definitely suffer from this too, of course, 100%. Um, so I'm not kind of discounting that, you know, and, you know, lots of male bodybuilders have like muscle dysmorphia or is it called bigorexia, you know, um, and of course that's, that's an issue. Um, but as, as females, you know, you do your prep and you get the leanest you've ever been. You're the smallest you've ever been. And from a societal standpoint, like that's really looked upon favorably. You know, people look at you and they're like, oh my God, you look amazing. Look at you. You're so shredded. And then the prep ends and then you start gaining weight. And, you know, people might, you know, whether it comes from a, kind of just place of not understanding you know they might be like why are you gaining weight again you know like why would you you know oh why would you want to put weight back on you know you looked amazing and that's really hard to hear if you are in a position where you know you need to gain weight you know you have to get your body back healthy but you're getting all these messages from either people directly or just even from society in general that like but smaller was better leaner was better um and that's definitely hard and look you know i'm not gonna lie Social media engagement, when you're shredded, sky high. When you're not so shredded, it starts to drop. And if you're kind of not prepared for that, like that can that can hurt. <laughs> like all these people cared about me when I was when I was really lean, they all cared. They all wanted to see what I was up to. And now they don't. And like, you know, you can choose to look at that as like, oh, like, how dare they? Or you can just be like, eh, like it's normal. Like it is normal. You know, I was a freak six weeks ago. I I had veins going up my abs. It was weird. You know, I had lines in my arse. That's, that's strange. Now I'm just a normal human. And like, yeah, there's people there who are still interested in me and that's great. But like people aren't going to be as interested in you. And I think, yeah, as a female like that, like that can certainly be really, really difficult if you haven't done a lot of the work on the front end to, you know, bolster a positive body image and to really work on, you know, having value outside of you and your appearance. Because obviously, yeah, like in our society, I do think we tend to place a lot of value in our appearance, especially as females. Again, males do too, and I'm not discounting that, but I do think this is more prevalent of an issue for girls. Yeah, agree. Um and all the things you said here are very important in terms of you got to be prepared for that. And yeah. yeah, like when we we've we've talked a lot about cultivating positive body image and we do that with with clients as well. And yeah, a lot of it is about 
you know identifying things outside of your physical appearance or even not even just your physical appearance your physique um, that are important to you and that you can you know act on accordingly in terms of, of different values so that's super important so like you know to continue that conversation how has it been since moving out of prep like i know you said you were you were sick at the end of it there so you were very ready to to leave but like you know obviously there was always going to be a, like imagine you weren't unwell and you weren't feeling that bad you know how how has the transition out been yeah yeah so like it's so I'm gonna caveat or not me and I even caveat I love that word but it's not it's not right in this context so <laughs> like I kind of said earlier I've done many diets in the past um I mean, probably like five or six, like legit targeted fat loss phases, which were followed by kind of reverses. And every single time I've done that, I've gotten better at what it is to kind of reverse out of a diet, you know? So I kind of knew coming into it, like what the potential issues could be, what it might feel like, you know, where my headspace might go to kind of seeing my body change. I just kind of knew that it would probably be all those things times 100,000 because I was so, so lean on so much leaner than I've ever been in my life. Um, and like, honestly, I was scared for post-show, like not scared, but like part of me was confident that I'd be able to handle it because I've done this so many times before, but there was a part of me that, you know, I was going into the unknown. I, I was going into this, this new world of post-show and, you know, you hear horror stories, like people paint it to be this really horrific thing. Like I genuinely thought I would bite into a donut and it would be like the world exploded in my head and I wasn't going to be able to stop. Like that's what I was expecting. So like, honestly, it's been fine. <laughs> like, again, I'm just kind of, I don't want to like jump the gun because I am just under four weeks post-show. So there's still time, but I do feel like if it was going to go horrifically badly, it kind of would have by now, you know? Um, but yeah, kind of coming out of it, I, so like, like what kind of said earlier, we had like four days in LA where we basically ate everything, you know? And like, honestly, I did not hold back. I knew I was going to do that. Like, I went into those four days with the expectation that like I'm going to eat a lot and there will probably be points where I feel unwell full disclosure so like the night of the show um we ate like loads of donuts I think we got like a box of 12 and I had we had a bite of kind of each you know just to taste them all I immediately got sick because my body was just so so not used to that you know it was not that like just to make it very clear I didn't make myself sick but like as in my body was just like no get that food away from me you know um but yeah so the next few days like we kind of ate we enjoyed ourselves um we kind of ticked off all the little cravings that we wanted and so by the time I came back to Ireland like I was just I was ready to just get back to my normal food. You know, like the first thing I did when I land was text my coach and I was like, okay, just give me my macros to hit. Like I'm ready to eat like a normal human again. Um, so that was like nice. But yeah, those after those first few days, like I definitely had some severe water retention. You know, I definitely had moments of thinking, oh my God, like I look so bad and I I just spent 31 weeks working to be so shredded but the thing is when you're in that state and your body's that sensitive like it does like retain water really really badly like it does fluctuate like 
a lot um and you know once you kind of have like a few weeks of normality again like it does actually come back to like nowhere near shredded um and that's not that's not the goal either but like you don't feel as kind of inflamed and watery and stuff like that but yeah so we kind of had those first few days and then I was just I was just ready to uh to get back to normal and again the way I eat like off-season prep it's very very similar which made it very easy for me to get back into eating my normal foods you know I get if you kind of went into a prep and maybe you were put on a meal plan or you're eating all these foods that you don't necessarily enjoy you would find it a lot harder to be adherent in that post prep phase whereas for me like all I wanted was my usual meal plan but with carbs (laughs) at most meals like that was it and maybe more fruit and you know the option if I want to swap something I can do that kind of thing and so from a from an actual like food perspective it's gone really well like I haven't really struggled with kind of overeating or anything like that I think I had one I've had like one meal off plan since then which is my mom's roast dinner which was stunning um definitely ate that's, more than- that's two glowing reviews now yeah. for your mom's uh, dinner so no, it's, I'm, I'll, it's- I'll have to call over sometime now this it's- is- <laughs> it's legit it is honestly so so good um and yeah like that night definitely ate more than I needed to but again I had I didn't I didn't care I think like if you go into it with the attitude that like oh I'm gonna be super strict here and I'm not gonna overeat and then you do and then you make yourself feel guilty for that that's where kind of issues can creep up whereas I was like no I'm gonna go and I'm probably gonna eat like a little bit of an arsehole and I don't care because it's okay to eat for pleasure sometimes it's okay to eat something just because you enjoy it you know I think that that's like an important one there but yeah like apart from that from food I've been pretty good like last week I would say I nearly went the opposite way in that um I was almost scared to eat off plan um like Shane was getting like a pizza and I was like like no like maybe I shouldn't like you know I I don't want to I don't want to like see my weight spike or whatever so it's it's been interesting for me to actually observe that I've kind of gone the opposite way but also I think I'm conscious that it's Christmas next week and again there's going to be occasions where I eat more than I need to and I'm okay with that so I suppose I'm kind of choosing my battles I guess you could say with with that um so yeah from the kind of actual like food and eating side I've been quite happy with how it's gone because in the past um like maybe like four or five years ago I had struggled a lot with binging like really badly and so I think I was nervous that that was going to happen, you know, because like I think anybody who's had disordered eating patterns in the past, like they can probably attest to this. Like there's a little part of it that never fully goes away, you know, and like you get a lot better at handling it. You get a lot better at recognizing it. Um, But, you know, it's almost like you're just kind of scared that it's going to rear its ugly head again, I suppose. But yeah, no, from that side of things, I've been really, really proud of kind of how that's gone with seeing my body change that's definitely probably been a little bit more difficult I suppose um at times at times I and to be fair the the only time when it's been the hardest is when I've taken check-in pictures so for context here for the last from my very first show in September to my last show um, at the end of November I took check-in photos to send to my coach every single day so every single morning I was taking pictures of myself I was looking at them, I was analyzing my physique and I was sending them to him. So then after LA, when I kind of came back and I did my first round of check-in pictures, like I had changed quite significantly in that sort of 10 day period. And I think that that initial seeing that, like that shocked me. I was like, 
oh god <laughs> like what have I done you know um but definitely over the weeks I've gotten more used to how I look and also I've I've, I've started to look better if anything because that was I was still carrying a lot of water retention from from the trip from flying you know so like my waist my body has gotten used to it you know I, I've gained about like 10 to 12 pounds and it's kind of stayed around there for the last few weeks just like really slowly coming up which is kind of what we wanted to see so like I'm getting more and more used to how I look and I think I'm actually looking better and better if anything um but yeah like that that initial time I took check-in pictures like that I think for the whole day I'm pretty sure I think that I, I've been I've been pretty good in terms of I haven't cried too much <laughs> and you can ask Shane I'm a crier I cry all the time but I actually haven't cried much since finishing prep I think just like that one time um whereas say like that last week of prep I think I was crying probably twice a day because of how crap I felt and like just how like overwhelmed I was by the whole thing so you know I think that that's pretty good going to have only had one big meltdown since post prep I'm pretty I'm proud of that you know um but yeah apart from that like you know sometimes I'm in the gym and you know maybe I see especially for me I gain my weight kind of mostly around my midsection so you know I might kind of see that it's looking a bit thicker I'm like oh I miss my abs but then I have to remember what it felt like when I had abs and it felt awful um you know if I was in the gym everything felt like a complete battle you know even just loading things onto machines like loading plates on a leg press oh my god I would sit there and like procrastinate it because I was like I have to do this you know so yeah whenever I have those feelings of oh I miss I kind of miss how shredded I was it's like yeah I, I miss it but like what did that cost and like the cost was high you know it cost me all my energy all my cognition all like my health you know it cost me so much whereas now I feel so much better like even within a week post show I was going into the gym and I was actually enjoying training um and this is something I didn't touch on but like I hated training by the end of prep you know like you're going in and you know you might be able to match your numbers in terms of performance within sets I might get what I got last week but a lot of the times I was getting weaker you know and I was almost just looking at training as like another thing in my day I had to do and I love training like I love it like more than anything uh, which I hope is evident from the way I've been speaking about it in this podcast like I love it so to have that kind of taken away that that sucked you know so within a, a week post show I was like oh like I like training again so as soon as I started to feel that like that just made the whole process like so much easier and so now I just try and put my focus in that and of course I have my wobbles and of course I have days where I think oh like remember when I had like veins running up my stomach but again the cost of that was so high um that yeah it was cool in the short term but like that's just not something that you can sustain in the long term yeah I think like you know what a lot of uh, a common misconception that people will have is like you know they look at someone that is diced on on Instagram and they'll be like oh they they must be loving life and it's like unless they have like stupid genetics and or usually and are on the gear um they're they're not you know and and it's kind of like you know that statement I, I fucking hate this statement but it's like nothing tastes as good as skinny, skinny feels, feels. Yeah, like I actually lost. despise that statement that and it's so actually true. cardboard so tastes true better that. than skinny feels. yeah it's now like that thing right it's it's cool when you're in the gym and 
you know, maybe you've got a pump and you're looking at yourself and you're flexing. You're like, oh, yeah, I look class. I looked like a child every other hour of the day. You know, like I looked small, like a frail, you know, that's the beauty of being natural. When you're not in the gym and you just have like clothes on, like you just look like a small, skinny, like, thing it's I remember Shane was taking my check-in pictures one day I think it was when we were in Budapest and he was like just kind of like hitting the camera con- consistently and there was a shot where I was like going to turn around and like you could just see like it was the first time I kind of seen just how small I was because when you pose you look bigger you know like when I'm flaring my lats and my shoulders and I'm tensing my quads obviously I look big but yeah, when, when I saw that picture and I was just kind of like in the middle of a turn and I just looked like this little stick, I was like, oh God. And trust me when I say you have no arse when you are that skinny. Like I might, if I like push them out, if I push my glutes out, sure, you can see the the lines and it looks cool. But if I was standing facing the mirror, like side on, straight up and down, just straight up and down. I was like, wow, <laughs> this is, this is not it. <laughs> so yeah it looks cool in pictures but actually like when you're kind of walking around day to day it definitely I don't think it looks that good and even like my face it was so sunken in and like I had dark circles all the time and I'm not someone who has dark circles but prep will give you dark circles yeah yeah so it's it's a means to an end uh just make sure it doesn't end there yeah yeah you you come out of it so no I mean and obviously a very successful like you got a lot out of it uh yeah for for what you put in which is fantastic um you're an avid reader which people follow you will be aware of if they don't follow you then then i'm telling you now so what are you like i think yeah i mean you like to read i think that translates to coaching and you're very thoughtful in, in how you coach people so what are you reading currently um i know you put us to shame in book club by the the volume that consume, um, in the background there when, when Shane's on the book club meeting but uh, yeah what are you reading currently um, yeah so I'm currently reading um, it's called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess by Dr. Caroline Leaf so I've only just kind of started it I'm a few chapters in it's um, it's kind of neuroscience based so it's I suppose it's about kind of metacognition and recognizing your thoughts and being able to deal with those thoughts in a more helpful manner and um, but like I kind of said start podcast I got a, a degree in biochemistry and one of the things I really loved uh, within that was the neuroscience aspect and that's something I find fascinating was like neuroplasticity and being able to change your thoughts um because I honestly think that like that's really the crux of any sort of meaningful life change is like how you're thinking And if those thoughts are bringing you to a place that is, you know, serving you or hindering you. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of what I'm reading at the minute. I'm also reading another book called, I don't even know what it's called. It's, I think it's called like You Are Enlightenment or something like that. I like to have basically two books on the go. So one that's more like spiritual slash, you know, hippy dippy, you could say, because that is something that I'm interested in, I suppose. And then one that's more, I suppose, sciencey slash a little bit more. I don't know, like real, <laughs> not that spirituality isn't real, uh, but you know what I mean? Concrete, I suppose. Um, so that's kind of the two that I'm currently reading. Um, in terms of great books I've read this year, 
Um, one of the best books I've actually read this year it was called Four Thousand Weeks by Oliver Berkman. Have you heard of it? Yeah, yeah, I've heard of Oliver Berkman's work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's hilarious because I think I first heard him on the Diary of a CEO, so Stephen Bartlett's mm. podcast, and I just thought he was funny. You know, he he just seemed like someone who had his head screwed on. And I saw he had a book, so I was like, well, I'll buy the book. Um, and yeah, it was great. It was just kind of because it's called it's called Four Thousand Weeks Time and How to Use It. So I kind of thought it was about like being productive, but it's almost a little bit nihilistic in the sense that it's kind of saying like, you're never going to be able to manage your time fully because of the fact that we're all going to die. (laughs) (laughs) And to be okay with not being a complete productivity, you know, nerd, which kind of works for me because I'm one of those people who's like, here's my Google calendar with everything that I have to do this week and I am a slave to the Google calendar so it was actually nice that that book was really really good um I like things that just make me think about the universe and the fact that we are like this little speck on the universe um so that's that's definitely a really good one I read this year I'm trying to think I can't even remember what other books I have read this year this year could be going back further I do I have that downloaded on Kindle now that I see the the cover of it so i haven't read it yet but it's it's there in my library i listen yeah. to the podcast though i like that podcast um i've yeah. also recommendations through it yeah that's it i get loads from there i listen to it i'm like this is interesting and then i see this is the new book and i'm like yeah well i'll buy that one and um, yeah, sold for happy was oh uh, yeah actually ooh. that 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 reminds me so he has a new book um so mo Gaudat, called um the little voice inside your head so that's brilliant because again it's one of those books that's it's kind of about thoughts and thinking and metacognition which sometimes when you try and talk to people about that it sounds so woo-woo like you are more than your thoughts and people are like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> but I, I like I said I do think it's kind of at the crux of any sort of meaningful behavior change so he's really really good because he kind of puts it in the analogy of your brain being a computer and looking at it as, you know, inputs and outputs and how to better manage those, which I think can work really well for people who maybe think in a more logical way. So that was a fantastic one. I recommend it to lots of my clients. I'm like, just go and read this because I obviously talk about all this when I'm coaching people, but it's one of those things that I think you really have to like dive into it in order to get the full benefit. So me talking about it for a few minutes in check-in video, it's like, it's helpful, but you would get a lot mm. more if you were like read the the whole book kind of thing. So that's definitely one of them. And Solve for Happy is probably one of the best books I've read in the sense that I just think if everybody read that book, our earth would be probably a bit of a better place. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good read. And it's, it's interesting because I think, <clears throat> obviously, as you know, myself and Brian are also, we, we, we very much like the psychology aspect of this as well. And I think what will separate the okay coaches from the fantastic coaches, especially as things progress, is more of more learnings in that realm and application of that. Because I think, you know, I think coaches are pretty good at learning about the training, um, training science, exercise science, and, and nutrition science to to a large degree. Um, but I think, you know, when you're actually speaking to someone on a consultation call or through your check-ins or, you know, you're working with someone on their behavior, it's the psychology and the the mindset stuff and uh, everything that you described there that, that really makes a big impact. And then that's obviously can be buttressed with your 
with the rest of the knowledge that you have around nutrition and training like you know so i think oh, yeah. you know I, I i definitely think like most people don't have problems with like overeating or low motivation they have problems with their emotions and how to manage those and like they don't understand that even like the way that they're thinking like they don't see how much of an impact it's having on their day-to-day actions because of course you can't see it it's like it's like a fish immersed in water doesn't realize that he's in water it's the same thing with your thoughts you don't realize that they're there especially if you've never kind of that, that's why like my clients probably hate me because I'm always like have you journaled about this <laughs> they're like yes <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like seriously like write it down because when you write it down you're looking at it you know you're no longer just letting these thoughts like stew around in your head for for hours and hours and hours or that's why I recommend meditation I'm like I get that you probably think meditation is this weird thing but I'm like it's just giving you that opportunity to see what you're thinking and to be like is that helpful is the way that I'm thinking helpful and like look I'm I talk about all of this I too get completely submerged in unhelpful thoughts but I mean like I'm not Buddha I'm not I'm never going to be enlightened but like I'm just trying to kind of work on that myself and I think that it's something I'm trying to like impart onto clients as well which I think is the whole point of coaching isn't it it's like you work through these things and then you help people to work through them too and like I mean I've worked through all the training and the nutrition and like I know all that really really well but I'm still working through the kind of the emotional side of things and if I can help people to better understand that part of themselves while also staying in my lane because I'm not a therapist or a counselor or anything like that then I'm gonna do that you know Um, because I do I think that that's like such an such an important part of the coaching process like anybody can give you a training plan and a nutrition plan it's really easy to do that you can google that it takes five minutes but not everybody can coach and help you understand why you think about things the way you do and why maybe you keep reverting to behaviors that are unhelpful or why you keep not going to the gym when you said you would kind of thing yeah yeah it's um i think totally agree with everything that you say there um we could probably have a podcast all on (laughs) mindset and coaching psychology um but is is there anything else that you wanted to ask emma uh b no i think that covers everything i want to talk about um emma unless unless you've anything else you want to talk to us about uh but where can people find out more about you or just find you in general if they want to connect um what kind of people should connect with you another question yeah so well my instagram i believe my instagram is emma.curvin think that that's it um i never know but yeah 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 um but yeah so i so i mean like, i'm kind of a female coach um not necessarily by not, not not that it's not by choice it's just how i found things have gone <laughs> i've ended up just coaching all females um i mean like if you are a male and you're listening to this and you think you vibe with what i'm saying i will work with anybody who wants to work hard um i coach both kind of like i said i've got a few people who are you know more into the prep photo shoot prep side of things potentially thinking of competing down the line um but equally i coach people who are like complete beginners and honestly i get just as much of a kick out of that if not more I think hearing like being able to take somebody from maybe a place where they're you know they don't really know much about training or their nutrition's really really poor and bringing them to a place where they feel like they can manage all of these things on their own like that actually 
brings me so much joy <laughs> um, as a coach, you know, when kind of seeing that sort of transformation in people. So yeah, like I kind of coach both lifestyle, if you want to call it gen pop, um, whatever that phrase is. Basically, if you're kind of willing to, if you're willing to put in the work, you know, and you're willing to really try, then I want to work with you. <laughs> That's kind of my philosophy. Um, yeah, and obviously I'm really big into kind of females, you know, building muscle, getting stronger. I get a lot of joy out of that sort of coaching, but equally I coach people who have goals and around kind of fat loss and stuff like that too. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of like who I suppose my my target is. It's quite broad because um, like I said at the start, I've only been coaching for a year, so I don't really think I have a right to be like, this is my specific niche. Um, I just love working with different people because again, it's it's keeps it interesting for me. But yeah, if you want to work hard that's that's who I want to work with and yeah apart from that I don't really think I have anything else to say I feel like I've um rambled a lot on this podcast hopefully people have been able to take some sort of value from what I've said yeah yeah no listen that's it's been it's been great uh great chat with you and as I say like uh anyone that's listening to this if you're not following Emma please do because I I, I especially send my uh women clients uh to your page and, and to, to certain posts that, that you make because I think like your content's really really good and, and very you know it definitely does like I suppose obviously you're talking about your 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 niche is females and, and that's I think a big part of that is because your content speaks very well to the the female audience and people that yeah. are kind of you know female fitness um but of course as I say like you're you're a great coach um uh, no doubt that you would do good work with with the lads as well and um, we're we're typically um uh, uh, not not as hard to um we're we're less of a puzzle I find um than, than <laughs> girls in many ways so um but yeah I think um I think that's everything that I want to cover um I'll put your your links in um in the show notes as always um anything else you want to cover b before we go no no just uh very glad to be able to platform your rambles and thank you for joining us and uh, I think we can get a lot out of this thank you it was very okay. enjoyable thanks for listening catch you in the next one